0: Uh, but we have some great stories to continue to tell of how God is transforming lives. And so Richard and Donna Brown are with us today. Uh, you probably know Richard and Donna. They are a very consistent presence on the worship team. They also live in the neighborhood here, and I'm not going to tell you their address, but if you've driven by, you might have seen them outside or Richard grilling something. Um, <laughs> They've been a part of Neighborhood Church for about nine years, I think, right around nine years, and so yeah, yeah. We have to get you like the ten-year anniversary. What do you get like from the church? Like we got to get you a little box or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they have come to share their story today of transformation. So to begin with, I would love to hear how both of you have come to know Jesus to say your first yes.
1: Okay. Well, good morning. I was the youngest of three girls. And it was very important to my mom that we go to church. My dad worked a lot, so he didn't go. We attended Metropolitan Baptist Temple. I was raised Baptist. We were involved in church. I learned Bible verses and uh, Bible stories. I hid them in my heart. And about the age of nine, a Sunday school teacher took me aside, and she led me to Christ using John 3.16. I knew I was going to heaven. I knew I was saved. But I didn't understand that personal relationship with Jesus. That came later in life for me.
2: Okay, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, my mom was a devout uh, Catholic, so we were all raised in the Catholic Church, but never really taught the relationship, the personal relationship with Jesus. So several years later, we were out with some friends. And at the end of the evening, they asked if I was invited to the church that they go to. The next morning, Donna and I got up and I asked her if she wanted to go to that church, and she said yes. So uh, we got up and went to Seneca Creek Community Church. When I got there, through, walking in the doors there, I felt very welcomed. Uh, a lot of people named Mark there remember? Mark's a great guy. Yeah, I know Mark. a lot of Mark. And I know other like, people over this at the church. Is great church. Yeah, this is easy. <laughs> um, so it felt very welcomed. Uh, we, uh, the experience was different. It was a lot like this when, you know, the band up on the stage, I was like, wow, what's that? And uh, the music was really great. I loved it. Um, the message came through and it spoke to me loud and clear. Um, we became involved in the church. I was on the sound team there. Um, And soon after, I accepted Christ, and it was in the nick of time, I think, uh, because it was just the beginning of our journey, but we definitely needed Christ in our life for what was to come.
0: Mm. Praise God, the unique journeys of people coming to know Christ. So at some point in here, it sounded like you went to Seneca together, so you did meet at some point and get married. So tell us a little bit about how you met and
2: got married. Yeah, so we met through a mutual friend who introduced us. We dated for about four years. Um, I proposed to Donna twice. Once at 4th of July, it was kind of impromptu. I remember leaning over to kiss her and fireworks went off. Inside or outside fireworks? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The second time was the official um, proposal. Uh, I had a ring and she had me get down on my knee. This time, or I I got down on my knee, um, and uh, she, she, she answered yes twice, um, so that was the official one. We got married in 1991 at a Presbyterian church down in Potomac, Maryland.
0: That's so good. Well, I didn't propose twice to NAMI, but we got married twice. We got married once here in the U.S. and then once in Korea, and when I did propose, she made it, me wait on my knee a little longer than like, I thought I needed to. But but she did say yes and we got to the end. Twice. Yeah, yeah, twice. Exactly. We got married twice in that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your son Eric. I know he's been called the miracle baby.
1: Well, Eric was born March first, nineteen ninety-six, and the nurses placed him in my arms and I got to hold him for just a few moments and they whisked him right out of the room. A few hours later, I made my way to the NICU. I wanted to see my baby. And he's, I got to see him, he's holding my finger there. So I was there, we were there for about, oh I don't know, 10 days and towards the end of the stay, we were told the, how he had six different congenital heart issues and he had no spleen. So we went home And then just a few days later, we were back in the hospital again. He had contracted respiratory virus, which turned into a respiratory arrest, which turned into a cardiac arrest. So we were there for about 10 days, and then we came home, and we needed to prepare to go back again in two weeks for some preliminary testing, because he was getting ready for an upcoming surgery, a heart surgery. I'm gonna let Richard pick up the story from here.
2: So while they were in the hospital, Donna requested that our pastor uh, and the leadership of the church come to pray over Eric, um, which they did. Uh, I asked her what they prayed for. Uh, and she said that they prayed for healing in his body and that God would put a spleen in his body. and I kind of chuckled under my, under my breath thinking, I mean, I just, I just didn't have the faith uh, to think that God would do that for us. Um, but, uh, the, and the miracles still happen.
1: So now we're in for preliminary testing and the sonographer is taking pictures of the organs and he's talking about them. And he says something about a spleen. Well, that caught my ear. I said, he has a spleen? And he said, yes. And I said, was it hard to find? He said, no. I said, can you show it to me? And he says, right here it is. Well, I was so excited. I just could hardly wait to get to a phone so that I could tell Richard he has a spleen. He has a spleen. Amen.
2: Yeah, yeah amen. You know, when she uh, called me, that was a very humbling call for me. I remember crying. Uh, definitely built my faith that God was still working miracles. Uh, they did the surgery and he came through it okay unfortunately the attempt to lower the pressure uh, from the heart to the lungs blocked and was not successful but God uh, did a miracle again and sent uh, coronaries or uh, vessels vessels out from his heart to his lungs they reconnected and when they tested the pressures were normal Mm. so they felt that there would be no more surgeries for this time, at this time, so truly another miracle.
1: And thank God there were no more surgeries for a while. So we were able to just take Eric home and just love on him for almost a year. Then he contracted another respiratory virus and another cardiac arrest. So life was a little bit of a roller coaster. It was up and down. It was hard, it was hard. He was in there for about six weeks and we got to bring him home and love on him. So now we're gonna just share some fun stories and fun facts about Eric. The doctors prepared us for some learning issues that he may have, some of the challenges, because he had such a low oxygen level, it's around 75%. And normal is close to 100. It's between. It's in the high 90s. So we have hundreds of stories, but we're going to narrow it down for you. And Richard's going to start us off.
2: Okay. So uh, Eric didn't talk for the first two years of his life here. Uh, but once he started talking, he never stopped. <laughs> I'm sure you know where he got that from. So <laughs> early on in his... Um, uh, in, in his life. He was about three or four. He uh, saw a tape measure that I had and he started asking me questions about it and he became very fascinated. Tape measures were, well, he, he destroyed several tape measures of mine because he would pull them all the way out, um, play with them, uh, but he learned numbers that way. He learned how to count, um, taught it on him, uh, by himself. Yeah. It was amazing to me. Uh, so one one year he was, um, came to uh, preschool. He was about four. And the teacher had asked uh, the kids in the class what they'd done over the summer. When they got to Eric, his answer was, I counted to 4,000, which he did. I mean, he did it every day.
1: Well, I took him to the pediatrician for a routine checkup. And as the doctor's checking his heart out, she's just talking to him and says, can you recite the alphabet for me? And he looked up very seriously, very humbly, very humbly, and he says, forwards or backwards?
2: Yeah. So one night we were watching a documentary on Woodrow Wilson, and he asked me who he was, and I said, I ah, know, he was president of the United States. Well, that started a quest for Eric to learn who all the presidents of the United States were. Again like four years old five years old um learn all the presidents of the united states when they served the dates in and out of office
1: grammy gave him a puzzle it was the map of the united states and he learned from this puzzle all of the states and all of the capitals and so did i (laughs) i did
2: so eric had a love for astronomy he loved the planets and um One night, we were watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It was one of our fun shows to watch, and the million dollar question was, how far is the sun from the earth? It's 93 million miles, and Eric knew that. He was beaming. Uh, Unfortunately, the person didn't win the million dollars because they didn't (laughs) didn't have the answer. And the one other um, thing, I remember he was really sad when they demoted Pluto from one of the planets in our solar system. Another story was uh, Donna and Eric had given me a GPS. I think Eric was about eight years old when, when I got that. And this GPS, it was very new because I had all these maps I always used. and GPS was great. So um, it had a plug, that, an adapter that you could plug it in inside. So I'd bring it home and Eric would play with it because he just thought it was fascinating that you go all the way around the world with it or whatever. And uh, so one day he decided to uh, take a road trip. And he started from the East Coast and he was heading to the West Coast. And he did it one flick at a time on this tiny screen. Well, it got to be about 8.30, 9 o'clock, it was time for bed. And he'd gotten so far across the country, I think it was to Colorado. And he looked at me and he said, Papa, please leave this alone, leave this on, don't touch it, don't do anything, because you know, he wanted to start up the next morning. Well, I guess it was around 11 o'clock at night. I was looking at it and I walked through the kitchen, which it was on the kitchen table and, and I looked at it and it got the best of me. And I touched it <laughs> and it went blank. It started up street pilot um, and I knew I was in trouble. So I, I went ahead and thought about it and said, well, I know it pretty close to where he was, put the coordinates in, got to Colorado, <laughs> got it to right about where he was he gets up the next morning, and he takes a look at it, and he goes, Papa, did you touch this? <laughs> I said, no, no, why? <laughs> he never told me. So he finished his journey and got to California and didn't seem real excited about it. When I asked him, I said, How, you know, did you finish? And he said, yeah, I did. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, I said, I only went 1,200 miles. I should have gone 3,000 miles. <laughs> I had to confess. <laughs> And he busted me. Uh, In his, okay, his normal answer to me uh, when I do something that was stupid or wrong, it was, that's okay, Papa. It's very humble.
0: So many good memories, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands yeah. of good memories. Yeah. And, um, and at the age of 12, and due to his congenital heart defects, Eric went to be with Jesus. How did you initially handle that?
1: Well, that's an interesting phrase of words. How did I handle it? Because I didn't. God was preparing me for this day back in two thousand and three when He brought me that the best, the dearest and the truest friend. She was the hands and feet of Jesus. Many of you know her, that is Melanie Neely. We cried together, we laughed together, and we prayed together. And on Eric's celebration day, we sang together. And I never cried through there. Some people told me that God just, his glory was all over me. And I thank him for that. It felt great. But afterwards I cried for 57 days straight. I was in my shadow of death. I was in the darkest, deepest pit. I was setting up curtains. I was there for a while. I was beside myself not knowing, is Eric okay? Is he just okay? Of course he's okay, he's with Jesus, he's in heaven. My head knew all of that, but my heart was so broken. It was so broken. So I was talking to my sister, and she said, well, ask him. I said, well, no, there's a thought. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. He gives it freely, generously. Well, he answered my prayer. God woke me up one night. I opened my eyes, and there was the light coming off of my picture frame. And the rays of light coming through the room just illuminated, just illuminated the room. It was so bright, but it wasn't bright to open my eyes. And it gave me such a calm, peaceful feeling. You know, that kind that passes all understanding. God showed up. He showed up time and time again. He showed up.
2: Yeah, so at first I, I, I know we both went through a real deep depression. It was really hard to even get out of bed, do anything. But I do have a memory of uh, the, the next day, it was a Monday, it was a Sunday that Eric went to be with the Lord. And uh, the next Monday I went over to the office some reason to just to try and make some normal out of what was going on, and uh, I knew I needed to make a decision uh, whether this would really let me drive, drive me down or destroy me, or whether I'd carry on. And God met me there. Um, I wanted to go home and just crawl into bed, but uh, I knew I had decisions to make which was going to a funeral home. So I made that right turn, not knowing what to do because I'd never experienced this. I'd never had to do this for anyone. Um, You're supposed to make an appointment to meet with them. I just drove over there, knocked on the back door. And uh, Mrs. Barber, who was alive at that point, um, answered the door and heard my story, took me in, showed me a lot of compassion let me know we were making good choices and it's a very hard thing to do sometime during that uh, visit there or while i was there our pastor pastor mike from our church somehow found me there and came in he entered the room i was very surprised but god brought him there just at the nick of time again uh, he showed up and helped me the rest of the that That that, yeah he showed up for us so shortly after that um donna and i again in this big funk between us um we had a you know almost a, a wall that was coming up because we were in our own grief um but i felt like god was giving me a tug donna and eric had been doing a devotion every morning when i'd leave for work they would sit down and do their devotion and I came to Donna and I, you know, I felt like we needed to reconnect and reconnect with God again, um, or have that tighter connection, lean on him. So, uh, I asked her if she wanted to do that, pick up the Bible uh, study and the devotion uh, with me, which she did. And we do it till this day. We still do a devotion every morning. Amen
0: how God brought those people into your lives, you know, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of those moments. I don't think we can underestimate the supernatural work of God, but also the natural work of God, that we can, we can bring God's presence with us as these people did in your lives. And then to lean into Jesus together, getting in his word. Um, and so this has been, you said, going on 15 years ago. That Eric went to be with Jesus. And you've been faithfully daily getting in God's word together for the last 15 years. This is this, It was not a season, you know, you developed new rhythms and new things. And now reflecting and thinking about this, in what ways have you seen God over the last 15 years use this for his glory?
1: Well, we looked up the... Um the divorce rate on couples who have lost a child. And that divorce rate is 90%. So, that's a lot. I didn't know that. And so, I, I thank God that my husband did pick up the Bible and did come to me to do devotion. And God's, you know, God's faithfulness to us and his devotion to us and ours to him. I mean, just just walking us through it all. I just see that he, he's just being glorified through the things that he's setting up for us and for us to do.
2: I love that picture that's up. Uh, that was us sitting on some steps and someone took it and, I looked, and the more I looked at it, I was like, man, we're sitting just the same way. <laughs> we have the same expression. It's like, I told Donna, I said, that's a picture I want people to see of him. Yeah. That was us. So... Through the um, the loss of Eric, uh, we started a uh, nonprofit called Eric's Hope. We've been able to channel um, our grief through that. We've served in our community. This is our logo, uh, and that is a picture of Eric from a trip that we made to Disney, and. Uh, that he's there, right there, doing his joy sign. When he, whenever he's excited, he'd always wring his hands and do this. That was his joy sign. So we wanted to use that as a reflection of the hope for all of us. So we've um, worked locally with Eric's Hope. We started doing uh, uh, Smart Sacks program with Mana Foods. Found out that a lot of kids were going home without food and didn't have food at home and there were summer programs that they did, we, we did a lot with them. Uh, we also have worked with Shady Grove Pregnancy Center uh, and done different projects with them. We've also worked through local schools in the area and others. Uh, we then have, from the local community, have uh, gone internationally and uh, we work with a community A nonprofit uh, called the water project out of Connecticut and they have people in place to do different projects so we've been able to through the money we've raised and the generosity of friends and family and church everyone um, we've been able to do many many projects but this was one of our first ones it's in Africa and it's a water catchment and um, this young man that's standing next to this poster it's a hand-drawn poster with our logo uh, and it gives God the glory uh, Jesus the glory and, um, and thanks to Eric And his, the memory of Eric's hope Amen Amen I know this is just a
0: glimpse of your story And all that God has done And continues to do And I'm so grateful for your testimony Of God's faithfulness I'm so grateful that you're part of Neighborhood Church um, I know also that as mentioned in the first gathering, that this is your first time really sharing this publicly like this, your story, and for them to take this risk. And I know you, Donna, are more of an introvert, and so Richard's more the talker, uh, Donna the introvert, for them to step out and say, we want to give God the glory in the midst of what we've faced in our lives. And, and their story is their lives, and it's also meant to encourage you and challenge you and, and also remind you that you have a story to share It's not their story, but God wants to use your story to bring glory wherever you're at, that your words are important, your life is important, and God wants to use that for his glory. So thank you, Richard and Donna, for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Can we give them a hand? If the worship team wants to come up, we are going to say a prayer. And then we're going to continue to worship together and am i right did you pick this song donna for for the end was this okay (laughs) because it fits very well with the story that was shared so let me pray for us father god i don't know who's all in the room or listening online or who will even hear this later but we pray god that your presence would be at work lord jesus bringing hope and healing through the story of richard and donna I'm so grateful that their lives are a living testimony, a testimony of your grace, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your presence in the midst of incredibly hard and difficult situations. God, and and as is mentioned in Revelation, that we can overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God, may we live in this reality that our testimony carries powerful, the testimony and truth of who you are, Jesus. And so, Father God, may you meet with Richard and Donna and continue to use them for your glory. May you help us to take the stories that you are writing through our lives and share them with others, that ultimately people would be drawn to you and see you. In Jesus' name, amen.